Hey, welcome folks to the first episode of The Ploth Thickens with Synergy 23. This is The Food Cast with none other than my two special guests, sexy chef Wendy Lane and none other than Chef Luigi Tripodi. Welcome, guys. How's everybody Thank doing? You. Thank you, sexy chef Wendy. And I'm so chef. honored to be here with such... <laughs> Amazing chefs. <laughs> I don't know about hey, me. You call I mean... me sexy. <laughs> I'm a sexy beast. Oh, so sexy chef Wendy, can you tell us a little about yourself? Uh, yes, so I am sexy chef Wendy, and I started a brand based upon my experience called Sexy Chef Wendy, um, based upon my culinary skills and my years in front of the camera. I sort of melded it together and made Crazy Sexy Chef. So um, in the last decade, I've had ghost kitchen called Sexy Chef, and my cooking style is a South Pacific, definitely South Pacific flair to it, because my family is from Maui, and kind of along the subject line that we're speaking about today, we, in my, we've literally done a garden to table my whole life. We've grown every uh, fresh fruit and vegetable and herb you can imagine. And then through my brand, I created a couple of products um, one is a uh, fermented habanero mashed carrot based kick ass hot sauce, and then a sexy, delicious chocolate strawberry balsamic, dark Italian Modena balsamic infused with French uh, cacao powder, strawberries, and those are my two main products. And then, of course, I have you know my YouTube station and the online presence and bringing sexy food um back into relationships getting couples to cook together and have fun through cooking and my whole philosophy about food is really to eat healthy healthy holistic fresh foods very nice and i i think both wow. chef luigi and i could uh align with that because um chef luigi just opened a uh, premium italian restaurant in montclair new jersey in the um the center part of the, the town, it's like split up in two areas. Um, and one of the things with uh, Luigi, um, he does his own uh, mozzarella from scratch. He does a lot of his things fresh. So right right in line with your product line there, Sexy Chef Wendy. And thank you for that. And then at the end, uh, please do tell our listeners uh, where we can find that stuff. I'll definitely list it in the podcast notes. And now Chef Luigi, my culinary Institute man, what is going on? Tell a little bit about yourself. Yeah, how, do, how do I follow that up? I don't know. Man. She's a tough act to follow, man. <laughs> well, I'm non-sexy Chef Luigino. Uh, so let's see. Maybe I could put one of these on and maybe I'll be sexy chef or something. So, uh, Luigi Tripodi, born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens, first generation Italian parents came from a little town called Castel Ruggiero, which I named my hospitality group Ruggiero Hospitality uh, LLC. Uh, now I'm living in Bloomfield, New Jersey, in a nice little cape with my wife, Kirsten, and son Peter, and dog Scrappy, who's sleeping on the couch nicely. And uh, Kirsten's working, my son's at school, at college, and I'm here with you guys. So at 60, I decided to uh, open up a restaurant seven months ago, uh, which I should be uh, relaxing now in the limelight, getting ready to retire, but I chose not to because I can't do that because I can't sit still, even though I need knee replacements, but we're, we're getting there. Uh, so a little bit of background. Uh, God, where do you start all these years? So push comes to shove, worked through the French circuit in the city in the late 70s, early 80s, while going to high school and then onwards to Culinary Institute, graduated there at, in Hyde Park in 83. Met a lot of great friends, a lot of great contacts, a lot of friends I'm still friends with from school, Ken Cook. Yep. And uh, so just worked my way up through the ranks and uh, less... 17 years I was working with a 
large company as a corporate chef and specialist and then opened up a flatbread concept for a couple out here in Jersey. Left that and then uh, this came upon me and uh, I grabbed it. You it's sure been did. Busy since, you sure uh, did. We launched April fifth on a Wednesday. It's been busy ever since, and I'm grateful. I'm humbled. We had two point five million views on Instagram, so we're uh, we're kicking butt, taking names, hopefully reservation names, <laughs> and uh, we're doing good. You know, and I'm enjoying it. Enjoying uh, it. Good. So. A little bit about you and I, Luigi. You and I have a, a connection. We go back about 2015. We both were with uh, a certain company. You were our... Yes. Um, Which we cannot name. <laughs> <laughs> but you were our go-to um, chef guy. And you and I went out in the field a couple of times. And then I ended up introducing you to my buddy, Emilio. Um, oh, my God. And then you guys great became point. great friends. And then chef, Sexy Chef Wendy and I have kind of known each other for about... Almost two years, somewhere in there. It's about yeah. right. And then we're also cameo buddies. But, yeah. the, you know, it's interesting that the three of us um, are very passionate about what we do in the industry and very passionate about food. And and I can say that for all of our chef friends and all the people in the industry, especially me. I mean, over 35 years. Um, but this is what drives all three of us and our course. And and gives us the possibilities to do a lot of things. But the, the, the one thing that's the the continuous thread is what I like to call it is, is our connections to people. And people have a hard time understanding that the, the food industry is just like the entertainment industry. We need people, we need an audience, we need all these things. But there's another side to that, which I'm gonna get to. And we're gonna loosely dive into that today about the darker side, everything from processed foods how bad salt is, sugar, and talking about the disparity and even the issues like Luigi and I in a, in a direct connection, um, a lot of issues with distribution and um, how things are priced today. Because like he just said, he just opened a restaurant in the post-pandemic era where a lot of people would not have done that. Um, in the before times, he, he would have been right, right in the normal like everybody else. Um, so we're going to touch base on that. And then the first thing I'd like to talk about is your thoughts on processed foods. Let's go with you, Chef Wendy. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I mean, I could, this, you know, this is, listen, I grew up, I was fortunate enough. I should say this. I was definitely fortunate enough to grow up with the mother that, uh, believed in you know growing our own foods and it really came from uh, my father um, my father got sober and then he was diagnosed with hypoglycemia so my mother like you know she came from uh, uh, you know upper peninsula Michigan where they ate you know or, you know meat and potatoes and stuff like that but she moved to the southwest and then Maui and she really took that to heart to get help his his health so we um, growing up in that house, definitely beneficiaries of that. So it's really ingrained in me from childhood on. I've only really known that. And she really, that's how I learned how to cook, just, you know, from our own garden. And understanding, uh, you know, for me, that was my introduction really to food and my palate form just from that. So moving into processed food, I wasn't allowed growing up. It was forbidden to have uh, fast food. Like if I wanted a McDonald's, I had to sneak over to my friend's house and have McDonald's or mac and cheese. I really didn't know what that tasted like. And I understood when I did have it, because I did, you know, I'd go over to my friend's house or whatever, but um, that addiction that you, that occurs because they're, because of the salt and the chemicals that are put in that food are really just created right. uh, to right. form an addiction. And, the, and unfortunately, what happens is I think when fast food first came out, it was just because for that reason, people didn't have time. But the truth of the matter is it's just been it's just been a slow progression downhill. Um, it's now translated into processed foods, into the grocery stores. Most people don't. Most of us are not educated enough to read labels. But for sure, if you cannot pronounce something on a label, you should not be putting that in your body. Yeah, and, no, um, no, you're right. You're 100% right. And, and, and that, that yeah. kind of ties in. I don't know if you guys have a chance yet, but it ties into my, my blog that the, 
all my blogs are lead-ins yeah. to the the podcast. And now, yes. with that, Chef Luigi, is there anything you could add with processed foods? We, I mean, all three of us could could agree. I mean, this has been around for centuries, but like Chef Wendy said, it's only until the recent. I would say 40, 50, maybe even 60 years stretching it with all the chemicals and preservatives because we know salt and sugar are preservatives, canning, freezing. That's a type of processing. But now with all the stuff that, like she said, if you can't pronounce it, you should not be putting it in your body. What are your thoughts as a, a true traditional Italian restaurant that actually makes a lot of your stuff from scratch? And how yeah, it affects your product that's, line? That's that's kind of where we try to go at the restaurant. I mean, even at home, and you guys just remind me, I have to go grocery shopping because I gave the wife the <laughs> day off for grocery shopping, which I used to do a lot. But she used to go shopping hungry and come home with all processed stuff, which I didn't like. Yeah. So uh, I ate, I had a good lunch, so now I can go shopping and just buy the good stuff. But yeah, you know, in, in the restaurant industry, you really try as best as you can to make everything as, as, as fresh as possible. Now, I know everybody's always like, oh, we got the freshest ingredients and this and that. Yes, we all do. But it's it's what you put in there. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's kind of hard to, to explain, but you know, people don't understand sometimes what you have to do to get product to a table. Uh, and you know, just just by making a simple soup, and you're trying not to add any additional ingredients except for the vegetables. You know, you want to try to make your own stock. You want to try not to get the ones that are pre-made with all the salt and the MSG uh, and things like that. A pre-prepared base. There are some out there that are made very, very, just just made very well with the minimalist amount of ingredients. And, and that's what you try to locate and find. Uh, and I think that's what a lot of restaurants are trying to do because the customers are very aware of ingredients these days with YouTube and videos and TikTok and Instagram and, and whatever the other avenues that everybody watches and the food network. Everybody's educated. Sometimes they come into a restaurant and think that they're smarter than you. Well, about everything do you, that goes do you think in there. that's a, but, a problem? Like they're too overeducated? Uh, I wouldn't say overeducated, but they they get a little demanding on really kind of what they want, which is which is fine, perfectly fine. So we really have to, you know, go around it and just try to make everything as best as possible. So a lot of times when I make a soup, I'll just make a vegetarian stock, you know, instead of making a chicken stock or a beef stock or a veal stock. Uh, and we try to compensate. The flavor's still there, but we try not to put all that excess ingredient in there. Fresh herbs, fresh spices, yeah. uh, you know, things like that. It's 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 been a real problem lately with um, you know just just trying to get those good local ingredients, things that everybody's going to enjoy. And you just gotta you just gotta be able to prepare everything as best as possible with with, with the minimalist of, of stuff and ingredients in there. Do you think there's that's, a lot of dishes on my menu that, that maybe have only five ingredients and that's it. Right. Do you, yeah, do you, do you, I'm sorry, I was going to ask a question. Luigi, do you have, like, is your menu extensive? I'm, I'm just curious. Like, extensive I, or expensive? No, extensive. For, like, for me, I had, I only kept 10 items just for the reason that you're speaking about, to make sure the ingredients, uh, you know, were always consistent because it is hard, you know, sometimes because I use all local, but I'm just curious because the more, I noticed, the more that's on a menu, it becomes way more challenging to keep that yeah. fresh, like what you're speaking about. Sorry, Kevin, I just wanted to. Oh ask no, no, you, you, you were you were thinking you were reading my mind. I was going to say the same <laughs> thing, but, but with that though, do, yes. do the two of you find it hard dealing with distributors when you need the the fresh and quality product because they keep trying to push all this other crap on you on a menu that you created and you know what's going to work. And make it hard for you to get those items to go to your end user. I mean, I think I think for, for me, you know, because I mean, my mine was a ghost kitchen, and it was you know I only had ten items on there. But to your point, with the distribution, sometimes I just found myself going uh, myself, or I'd send my my chef to just local 
either like you know a lot of my my food has a lot of herbs like asian asian type herbs so i go to asian markets or just places myself and grab the ingredients because i mean for me personally it's just because it's what i really uh promote is whole fresh foods um i only do like you know about four or five ingredients and i only use um natural flavors i don't use i don't use any preservatives at all Hmm. What about you, Chef? Well, the thing that kills me is a lot of people say farm to table, and I, and I understand where sexy chef is coming. Uh, I mean, isn't everything on the farm anyway? I mean, well, yeah, I mean, just, for you guys, but well, what about the inner city restaurants that don't have access to that true. and have to go to like, Jet Pro or Restaurant Depot or, you know, Shamrock oh my out God. west or, or these other places that they only limit what you can get, and that's not farm to table. And there's only a few yeah. farmer's markets where those guys can go. And like Sexy Chef said, she can go or she'll send one of her guys to go. But a lot of these in, in disparaged areas are what we call um, food deserts. They don't have educated people that know yep. what to find or look for. Like like in Montclair, we have an incredible farmer's market. And then also here in Bloomfield. And they're really, really good markets. And they got some very reputable vendors that are there farmers that really take heart to what they're doing and and a lot of times over the summertime and now it's open to, it's it's open all year round which was really surprising to me that they're doing that so you can you can develop a menu around that but for how many days can you really keep the product because you know i really can't get in the car and go to somebody's farms and grab it and then how expensive <laughs> is your menu going to be yeah well food waste so that's a big i headache. have a limited menu but it's not overly huge it's it's you know maybe 30 items you know complete with dessert but i don't use a lot of ingredients like i said earlier in in a lot of the dishes because there's no need so like when i was in rome cooking and we're making cacio e pepe and, and carbonara. You know, our carbonara is not peas and bacon like they do here in the States. And sometimes I get complaints because we make it with one chale, parmigiano, and pasta water. And we mantecare and we make it nice and creamy. And sometimes people are like, what is that? And I'm like, well, that's how you eat it in Rome. Yeah. So that's how we make it. But there's only five ingredients in that dish. I want some. <laughs> and that's what we try to do with everything. We're going to get you to come to Montclair uh -oh. and we'll go. But it, so oh, now, when you're when you're on the East Coast, yeah, absolutely. So oh, then, that sounded marvelous. <clears throat> I mean, if you know, back to like and when I was in Italy, that's what struck me too. Like, that, I mean, the how food is prepared there compared to here is different. And when you eat fresh food like that, you feel great after eating. You you can you can feel it in your body. You really can. No, you're it's, it's a different right. mindset and a different culture when you're in when you're in a country like that or Spain or France or things like yeah. that. So, you know, when you go to Italy, unless you're going to like a Michelin star place and really some of the high end places like you have here in the States. Yeah, you're going to get blown away with the way they do things and their take on a little lasagna that comes out like a little cap like this, <laughs> which is fine. It's cool. Every play, every every chef has their place in in in, in the restaurant industry and how they want to prepare foods. But you go there. You're not blown away by extravagant preparations of meals. It's just simple seafood with a simple pasta they made with great flour. And you're walking all the time. You're drinking water all, you know, daily. You're having a, a, a glass or several bottles of wine on occasions. It's just a different culture, different mindset. And, and you know, there's you're not hitting me, you know. Sorry, you're not hitting all these fast food places and, no, and things you, like that. You're not having a big breakfast in the morning. No. It, so it, it's, it's, it's a lot different. It's not as processed over there, so you don't right. gain the weight. But it's a right, lost right. art, and it's, it's an American. Culture. Yeah, no, you're, you, both of you. It, it's an American thing, and I think it's an American problem. Because, like, mm -hmm. the late, great Chef Anthony Bourdain in his mm -hmm. uh, No Reservations and you would see this amazing stuff all over the world, and then you come here. It, it, it's just, it, it's it, it's just a bad problem. And then people keep adding stuff, and I feel bad for the people that come here and create their restaurants. They're forced to start adding sugar and more salt and more, and, and when you don't need to, because Mother Nature puts it in there. And like you said, in, in Italy, it's only five ingredients, and it has none of that. And it's much better for you. You feel better. And, and back to what you said, um, Chef Wendy, 
it, it, you know, it's being conscious and, and it's not just educated, but, you know, people should be more aware instead of um, one of the themes I have with a lot of my artists on my uh, radio show is we all said one thing that we're all in agreement on. It's hard to get people's attention, and especially with food. If it oh, doesn't yeah. look this way, like you just said, this way in the the little thimble cap of lasagna, like it, I, I think these amazing influences. Like a good example, a big influence on me was uh, Jonathan Waxman, and why? Because his stuff was rustic, and, and it really was from the farm to the table. And, and it wasn't meant to look pretty, but if it, it, it still had that visual appeal and tasted good and was healthy, you know. But then again, you know, in today's age, everybody's a critic. They got their phone and they got the social media. And they, they miss the message. Like, I noticed when I went to your place, Luigi, I, I mean, we had fun. I mean, I had a lot of fun because the food spoke to me and I enjoyed myself. You know, I didn't care about my phone, none of that stuff until afterwards we took pictures. Um, that's love. That's love right there. That's what food is. You know, it's like truly that that's my whole message, what you're saying. It's you know, when you put your phone down, you listen to great music, you start breaking bread and cooking together. And even I'm sure all three of us could teach each other something different. I'm sure hundred percent could. And you know, every day. Yeah. And you know, it's like for me, I mean, and we all have our own influences and our own point of view and our own perspective, you know, and mine just happens to be mine, yours is yours. And, and I just, you know, like for, for instance, you know, right now, um, I, I think, I think people just, as you say, you know, making it more, more, less complicated, simplifying it helps you kind of regain I think what, what needs to happen is people have to regain their palate because it's when you're putting so much MSG in salt and processed foods uh, you actually uh, don't even taste food anymore and so if you you know and I, I tell people that I work with this is let's break it down to really simple foods really you know simple things and start using lemon for salt to get salt to start doing start implementing simple um, processes so you know, because it is, it's like training. Like if you go into a gym, you have to slowly start. You're not going to like bench press 250 pounds the first day. You have to slowly get a cycle with, with your palate. And what's happened, it's not even people's it's fault really because we're, they're uh, busy. They're so programmed and they're just trying to like, you know, feed their family and get by. So I, I think just simplifying it is really the key and not let shaming people about eating bad foods or whatever it's just kind of pushing them yeah, you towards not, the yeah. correct way <laughs> I, I, you hit several hot buttons like the, the thing of shaming and all that and then on top of it people are going to do what they're going to do but I feel as a, a chef that I'm one thing I always found and I, mean, I don't know if you guys agree with that but but eating and, and food in itself it's not only an intimate thing, it's a sexual thing. It is a cerebral, really? it is a philosophical, it's a, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, it's a combination of, it's, it's a part of you that goes into it. Like for example, when I first came to visit Luigi at his new place, you know, he has an open kitchen and he's right there. His hands are in the mozzarella, yeah. making it, stretching it, pulling it, rolling it. So when I eat that, I'm eating a part of Luigi. I'm getting his passion that comes from Wow, that, that was kinky. <laughs> That's a different show. I don't know where to go on that one. Yeah, you, know, you have to go, there, go, go to my friends over at Alien wow, Murder you Sex. Just, you just made me sweat. Oh my God. And I'm a sexy chef. Well, but you're putting I'm a part of you. But, but one of the things that you said very clearly and reiterated what I said and what Luigi said, the simplicity is that um, Chef Jacques Pepin said, if you can't do a basic egg, if you can't do a basic chicken, can't do a basic piece of meat, yep. then you have no idea what's going on in the kitchen. And, and it's doing your, your mise en place, and like you said, your, your, your mirepoix, which are the basics but where is your mirepoix coming from? Are you buying already pre-cut, uh, packaged uh, celery, onions, carrots? Or are you actually picking it yourself, going? And, and there's a big difference in taste, color, color and, and texture. Um, and both of you guys uh, hit two great points. And I think that leads us to now 
is what I was bringing up in the beginning is this food disparity. And I'm sure in your community, Sexy Chef Wendy, and in where you live in Bloomfield and Montclair, there are areas that are food deserts. How do you get this knowledge or this appreciation of food to those people? That's the big issue. Like Chef Andres is doing all he can to feed the world. But again, here in the United States, we have a lot of people going hungry and not eating right. You know, so how do you how do you guys feel that we can uh, approach this issue? I'll go I with you. No idea. That's <laughs> a heavy subject. I mean, you're now we're. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's it's ridiculous that anybody in our country is starving. It's absurd, mm -hmm. and a lot of it is because you guys know this. You know that uh, you're required to throw food away. You can't. You know, so you if you're gonna you know, feed people, if you want to, you kind of have to just do it on, on the side, like with your kitchen, you can't legally just take the food and hand it to them, which is ridiculous. But I think that, um, you know, that, that's a pretty big, <laughs> that's a pretty big question. Um, all we can do individually is, is everything we can do. You know, I mean, I personal personally, I've had catering businesses where I just take my food out I literally could and walk out in the back and I was in California. I mean, there's somebody that needs to eat always. You can always find a hungry person. They're everywhere. So I think it's our individual responsibility just as human beings, just human beings, anyone to do that because we have more than, if we have the privilege of having food in our home or anywhere, we're, we're very blessed and lucky. So um, that's just something as a collective whole that I believe we all need to do. And and sometimes we have to go around and just do things, just do the right thing. Always do the right thing, number one, 100%. You know? No, you're right. And what about you, Chef? Well, I was I was watching a, a, a show not long ago about the food deserts and, and, and the amount of food that's wasted here in the States. And it's mind-boggling on the percentages, especially supermarkets. I'm not blaming them, but some of the laws do not state that. Uh, I, I believe some of these markets are scared that if they give away the food that's maybe a day old or some of the produce that they have to pick through, that they have to throw it out because they're going to get sued. But there's, I believe they said there was no law that states that you're going to be able to get sued because of that. So why can't they just take a lot of this product donated? Look, if they... If they sent 20 cases of product to me and said, hey, Lou, this is for free. You think you can cook it really quickly and give it to some of the shelters in the area by Montclair Bluefield? I would do it. And I'm sure a lot of the other restaurants would do it also, you know, to help out. Uh, listen, there are people out there that, that, that are starving. There's kids are starving. I mean, you know, everybody's not rich. Everybody's not well off. Everybody needs to take their part and, and do something. But I think everyone... Everybody has a little bit of selfishness, selfishness to them that they don't want to help out. Mm. Uh, mm. I just think it becomes an issue, but you know, it has to start from the top. We have to, no, we there, have to make an a, effort. There's this uh, word in Hawaii called ohana, and it's it's basically ohana is like it's home love for everybody, and and I have to say. Truly, I have to say in Maui, like you just don't have hungry people. Ohana, everybody takes care of one another. And it is a small community, true. And even like through the fire, chefs that I know are every single day, day in and day out, feeding people without being paid. And it does just basically come down to true humanity. You know, that's just the bottom line. And if we, we as collective people, all of us could just take just that little word ohana look it up ohana shaka look it up and see what it means and understand that it really is like love for all taking care of each other because as you say there i mean there are starving children in this country it's ridiculous it, it, it shouldn't be that way and i just think it's more um i think we're becoming more aware i do think more you see uh you know a lot of people doing wonderful kind loving things but back to the when you were speaking about the supermarkets and even the restaurants, you know, the health, the health codes, it's not so much that there's a lot, but it's just the health department. They can shut you down or they can, 
if they uh, want to. They uh, but each, so, each state I is, mean, it's, it's horrible. Each state has its right. own rules. Yeah. And, and not to, to cut you off, but like, it's like the word Ohana, the one I always believe in, and I, and I have it plastered everywhere, is Tikal Alam. And, you know, with that, the supermarkets, and, 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 and really a lot of it too, the, the distributors, everything from their pricing. If you go in the back of a lot of these huge, the, the big three, they have these areas yeah. where they put a lot of the stuff that hasn't been sold, they lock it up and then that's it. And then they destroy it, which is, they say they distribute and they say they get rid of a lot of stuff and donate. It's not enough. And, and I think one of the issues is too, that Luigi started getting to it is like, we do have these areas where they, people can buy these good products, but the places where you can buy them now are shutting down because everybody's being priced out. Like these food co-ops, there used to be a lot more 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, now you, you're finding, like, especially in my area, in the Bronx and Harlem, a lot of these food co-ops can't stay open anymore. They can't get help anymore. And that's another issue back to restaurants, getting staff, you know, grocery stores having staff, having the right people to be able to pick the bad from the good, be able to donate it. And then, like Luigi said, like, people are very litigious and are ready to sue, like, like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anywhere from your restaurant to catering to what I do, they're like, like that, ready to pounce. And then you look at someone like Chef Andre, who's doing this amazing work for the world, and here in the United States, but he's just one guy, just one yeah. guy, and it's not enough. It's not he's the guy who took the bull by the horns and said, "I'm going to make a difference." Yeah. Oh, he definitely did. I mean, he definitely made. A huge impact especially when it was with Puerto Rico and all these other um, world catastrophes and even here in the United States but it's not enough and even like chef Wendy said the three of us that's just three of us but there, it, like, it goes back to what you said a lot of people are inherently selfish and that's part of human nature there's nothing wrong with that but if someone walked into your restaurant I'm sure because I know you guys are these type of people someone walked in and told you they were hungry and happy what would you do? I feed them. I teach them how to feed. But you gotta, it's, it's like that phrase, don't show someone the fish, teach them how to fish. Exactly. But, Educate but he them. Would never... You know, work, I mean, Luigi's there teaching some of his staff. <laughs> I mean, there I are some that I want you to teach me, Luigi. Oh, he, he'd, he'd have a heart attack. Um, I need some Italian training. Uh, you're talking to the right guy. I can do that. <laughs> I can show you how to make some really badass curry. I make mine from scratch. You'll love it. Oh, her curry. Yeah. I like curry. Love it, love I it, love like it. curry. Yeah, I make really, really good curry. Secret recipe, but it's really good. It's, it's got a little bit of different taste to it. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, teaching people, of course, I've brought people in my kitchen that were homeless or that we're trying to get on their feet and I, I give them little jobs or whatever and I and then I give them food and I think that you know like you said it's 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 not just one person it has to be a lot it has to be everybody we all have to come from mm -hmm. them it's a mind it's just a mindset and oh it's shameful it's shameful being in this country and thinking of hungry people it, it makes me so sad I, I can barely stand it you know it's well, it goes back to food inequality, and I'm going to read you a quote that I also had in my blog post. Um, according to Feeding America, the USDA in 2022, that's just last year, right as we're coming out of the, the postman, nearly 23% of black and brown individuals lived in a food insecure household, including, in addition to, Black and brown people are almost three times as likely to face hunger versus their white and European counterparts. Black children are more likely to experience hunger than children of other races. And that is coming from feedingamerica.org. Um, but also with the social media and media awareness, it's actually gotten worse. Um, I cannot wait to see what the numbers are for this year. And from what they're saying, and even the USDA just uh, a few months ago, it's gotten worse. Why? And how do you guys feel about that? I'll go with you, Chef Luigi. 
I don't know where to begin with stuff like that, but there, there's really no reason why. I don't care what your race or color or gender or whatever it is. Why are you hungry? Why are we not helping people out? I, and I know, you know, anytime someone comes into my restaurant, which is not often, you know, asking for something like that, I always offer them a job first. You know, do you want a job? Do you want to make you want to make things a little bit better for yourself? And I'm not saying I'm going to pay them seven million dollars a year because I don't even know that. Wendy and I could work for you. I'll work for you for seven million dollars. Yeah, we'll 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 feed you. We'll take care of you. You're not on the street, but at least give me a couple of days and let's get this rolling. So Uh, what happens though if you? I mean, does the person accept the offer, or are they just too? I mean, Nine I, times out of ten, no, they don't. What do you think? Is it because they're too above it, or they 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 want more than what you're offering, or they feel they I, deserve? I, I can't put my finger on. It. I mean, there's some shelters sometimes that won't take a. F- if the case is open or the bag is broken, they won't accept it, and I, it just boggles my mind why they won't. So then I'm like, well, then let me prepare a meal for you. Oh yeah, the red tape. And I'll with put that. it in containers. Will you take that? And then sometimes they don't want that. And I'm like, well, then I'll start my own shelter. You know, I'll do it myself. Yeah. If it's just. It is. There's I, a I lot of red tape and bureaucracy. I know. I know. But, nah, but, it, it, but it, back it to is. offering the people. To, you know, talk bad upon everybody. Does a fantastic job of what they're doing. But you know, take what you're given and and let's distribute it. You know, like I said earlier, if I could go to the supermarket and grab half that stuff and no, I'm not going to use it in my restaurant, you know, to make money, you know, I'll feed a bunch of the homeless that are in the area. I have no issues with that. We, you know, I'm there, my staff's there, my staff would love to do something like that. And if every restaurant did 10 meals a day, I think we could, we could fix a couple of problems. But what do you think but about hiring there's people? There's nobody behind that, doing that. Is that it? Hmm? I'm going, but, but going back to offering a person a job where they can learn better themselves and work their way up do you think it's because they just don't want to do it or they're lazy or they uh, everybody's that? different who, who who's lazy who doesn't want to maybe the person's just hungry for that moment of the day i don't know mm. I, I i can't put my finger on it but boy i tell you i i would i would love for one of the major supermarkets in my area and pull up and give me a bunch of that food, and I could call up 20 restaurant friends of mine and say, hey, guys, come by, and girls, pick up the food. Let's make some meals and give it, give them out to the homeless. Yeah. What about uh, you, you, Chef like Wendy? That, little by little, it makes a difference. <clears throat> Good job, Luigi. What about you, Chef every, Wendy? Every, every brick uh, yeah. in the house matters. Yeah, every I brick mean, matters. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and that's how I feel. And I've always told, I've even taught my children, I'm like, listen, you know, I'm not one, I've never been one to go to big charities and, you know, dress up and try to raise money. I just, it's just not my style. I'd rather help people one-on-one. I've always been like that. I feel, uh, I know that all you, any of us, I don't care where you live, you can walk out of your house even in five minutes and you'll find people in need. You just will. So that's where you start, I, at least for me, you know, I look at situations, as you say, different. I think. I think maybe 80% are due to drugs and just hard times. I think 20% are probably just severe mental illness and they, our country doesn't provide, uh, you know, mental institute for those people, which they just simply cannot, they don't have the tools. So that's That's very unfair for those people. (coughs) So, so for me, it's, it's, it's always different. I, I can't say like, you know, people say, don't give someone money, but if you feel the need at that moment to give someone money, even if it's for that moment to give them some kind of satisfaction, because if you think about how hideous and awful it would be to not be able to go into a bed every night and sleep with a warm blanket over you, it's heartbreaking. So I I think that, you know, if whatever you as an individual or your community can do, even you know, on the smallest level is huge because it takes that and each action has a reaction and you know, and every instance is different and, and every climate is different and those in Arizona and why it's hotter, you know, where you guys are, it's cold, you know, people, people can scorch it up in the heat here. I mean, there's just so many different factors. So, um, you know, none of us are going to be able to solve this problem, but, uh, I just feel very strongly that 
um, get rid of all the charity bullshit. Actually, go out and do it. Because that, you know, and when I, I really run away from things like that. If I'm, I get invited to a lot of stuff like that, I refuse to do it. I, I will, I would rather go like cook in a soup kitchen, or I'd rather just visit, go take water or food to someone or money or whatever it is. So yeah, right we are not here to figure out why people are there. They just are there, but they are part of us. Yeah. And, and where's half that money go to? Yeah. Uh, what? He's talking about yeah. where the half that money goes to when we go to those big events like. Uh, can't even get yeah. into it. But See, wow. I, I, I never <laughs> mind giving somebody who's who's asking for money. You know, I don't mind giving them a yeah. dollar or two, whatever, get a cup of coffee, but I will not give them money because what I do is I look at their shoes. And if they're wearing a brand new pair of Adidas, they ain't getting any. Yeah. Uh, clearly. How many times have I seen somebody with a brand new pair of Nikes <laughs> or sketches and they're like brand spanking now? And I'm like, well, okay, what are you using the money for, really? Reading of things like this, it's kind of interesting. People are highly motivated to have phones, right? They need to get highly motivated to, to figure out how to make money. But again, I'm not here to judge. It is not my job in life. Um, I think we all have the same heart, the same feeling. And, you know, we you can only do what you can do. But, yeah. but it's really important in our communities. Like, it starts with right here. In your own backyard and there's this countless situations i walked out my front door and i see i saw a woman uh she looked like a mom to me a hispanic woman with a cart and she was looking through the trash and i could just tell she was not you could tell she was on hard times i knew it i just intuitively knew it so i went in my house and grabbed a bunch of stuff and you know took it to her and i i i, I just saw it you know so i think if you're if you're aware and in tune most of the time and sometimes we're being duped but who cares if it's that one time it doesn't matter Absolutely. you know if you well, it's that somebody, italian phrase it's... screw me once shame on me screw me twice shame on you <laughs> oh i got duped in my restaurant two weeks ago my son was laughing at me he's like how the hell did you have that happen to him like i tried being the good guy it happens you know but i really appreciate what both of you have said we're right now at our 45 minute mark and I'm going to circle back. Uh, Chef Luigi, anything you can tell our listeners where they can find your website, um, where to go uh, to your restaurant, uh, your hours of operation. And then after Luigi, Chef Wendy, please show us some of your wares and tell our listeners where they can go to find you. And uh, before you guys go, we'll talk about a couple of great flicks about food. But Luigi, a little bit more about uh, Luigi Amos in Montclair. All righty. It's pronounced Luigino's, which is which in Italian is Little Luigi. So, uh, luiginosrestaurant.com is the website. Uh, my email is luiginosmontclair at gmail.com. We are open Wednesday through Sunday from 1130 uh, during the week till 9 and on Sundays and then Friday, Saturday till 10. Reservations are recommended because we do get very busy. Uh, that's kind of really about it. It's a BYO, bring your own, because in Jersey, the liquor license law is kind of weird and strange. They only give out a few per town. So they can get costly to buy. So in our town, it's it's a, it's a million plus just to buy a liquor license. So that's why there's a ton of uh, bring your own. But we have a deal with one of the liquor uh, stores up the road where we have a full um, uh, wine and beer list that you call up. You tell them your table number, which we give you, and you order it. You pay for it online, and the guys at your table within five to eight minutes yeah great liquor store and by the way it's been there forever i mean great fantastic so great you know you're, you're saving on that we do charge a little more for the food my food is absolutely we, we 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 give large portions good portions so you're not leaving hungry and do you guys uh, do a, a plating and corking fee uh no corking fee on our parmigianas we do do a ten dollar share charge because they are they are large and sometimes people want to share it. But you know, I'm sorry, but yeah, we don't like that because you know it brings a check average down. I still have to pay my bills. Uh, I, I I recommend you give a good review and not give a stupid review just because you're pissed off at something, which is a whole nother segment of another. Show. That's a whole nother show, my friend. Ah. Uh, <laughs> 
and goes back to that to that you know people in education and the food industry and stuff like that oh my god but uh yeah we're uh good little restaurant man nice simple very food. good folks do. you heard it we'll have it also written in the show notes now sexy chef wendy tell us about your products wow, and where we can Luigiana. find you i can't wait Luigiana. to go to the that sounds so delicious i can't it's wait good. i'm gonna have to make a trip you seriously. do absolutely you have to i'm coming totally. you can stay That's at our house and i'll just get uh Perfect. My wife, a hotel room for the night. Don't worry about it. No, I'm only kidding. Only kidding. I love my I wife. I promise this... you, you'll be cooking her curry. She'll fall in love. Well, we just celebrated our 23rd anniversary last night. We had a blast. Congratulations. That's awesome. That thank sounds you, amazing. You. Amazing. So you can find me pretty much. Just, just Google Sexy Chef Wendy. I'm everywhere. But my products are on sexychefwendy.com. Luigi, you would love this. This is great, literally. On this is wonderful on uh, cheeses. This would be great on your mozzarella. Um, it's a, a dark Modena Italian balsamic. Nice. It's made here in, in well, the balsamic's imported, but the products made in Arizona with French cacao powder and strawberries. So yeah, wow. it's great. I've slow cooked it even with uh, baby back ribs. I did a contest with a chef friend of mine in Maui, and I won. Uh, no so way. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Sexy so, chef um, kick butt in Hawaii. Yeah, and he's a, he was a head uh, teacher at the Malinari Culinary Institute, so I felt like a badass. So that was great. Oh. And then no. my my uh my hot sauce, which I'm gonna send Kevin to you my hot sauce. Kevin, I'm sorry, I was supposed to do it. I went out of town, but no, that's it is, okay. Uh, because when you send it, I'm gonna bring it over to Luigi's, and we'll do like a little photo shoot and oh, video. Okay. okay, then I'll I'll send them two to you, and you bring Luigi a bottle. How about that? Yeah, no, yeah, I will. I will. Yeah, well, we'll shoot yeah, it at the restaurant. Yeah, we'll like, hey. should do that. And the um, anyway, it's a habanero mash, uh, carrot base. Wow. No vinegar, but it's kind of thick. It's it's really spicy. These. I tell people, I mean, chocolate mole, I love making it, but it takes all day and it's beautiful. But if you want to cheat, combine these two. Put a little uh, black and blue filet mignon over it. It's delicious. So, cool. sexychefwendy.com and you can Wait, find one me question on though. Why, why no vinegar in, in the hot sauce? What is your philosophy behind that? Um, just because I, it's thicker. I just like the thickness of it. And it's carrot-based, She said carrot-based. Carrot carrot, it's carrot-based, two-week fermented habanero mash, uh, garlic, key lime, a little bit of salt. Key lime? Salt. Key lime. Hmm. There's so your Well, you guys, when you she guys, sends it to me, Luigi, we're going to play with that. We're going to, on a Tuesday yeah, and Wednesday when you're not open. Well. I want you to play with both of them. And oh, this, we will. This is really, like... I'm in love with this, and once you guys taste it, I'll send you a bottle. It is, it's so good. It's on everything, even just. Um, I do a, I do a, a triple ginger cracker with a triple brie cheese, a mint leaf, and strawberry, and then I drizzle this so you have like spicy and sweet and creamy, and it's mm, so good. Nice. Well, you heard it there, folks, from Sexy Chef Wendy Lane and Chef Luigi. All right, now let's talk about. My favorite segment. We got two parts of this. First, we're going to talk about a couple of food films that I think everybody should see. And the two of you can chime in on on these. Uh, The first one, at number one, is Forks Over Knives. Okay. And uh, one of the reasons why I say you should watch it, um, it's not just only about someone that went from eating meat to going 100% vegetarian but it really talks about um, the meat and the dairy industry in a very graphic way. Then the next film, number two, is called Sugar Coated. And it talks about, if you got a sweet tooth, why you should watch this and why um, the other part of it is it's similar to the film about big tobacco. This is about big sugar and the industry and what goes on in the milling, the processing, and... um, shifting the blame from the saturated fats to the real culprit, which is sugar. Um, The next one is Food Inc., which came out in 2008. The other two came out in 2011 and 2015. And the other one, one of my favorites, is called Cooked. And that came out in 2016. And uh, it's from acclaimed food writer uh, Michael Poulon. 
and um, it talks about everything fire water air and earth and the those essential basics in cooking and especially fire um, I know chef Andres is a big proponent of that and cooking on open pit and really mastering that art um, the Argentinian way of cooking uh, I know the big craze a while back ago was the Mediterranean diet I mean we go through these phases but look at us Italians we look good at our age you know um, the Mediterranean you. <laughs> you. You, you. but have you guys seen any of those films have you seen uh, forks over knives cooked sugar coated um, have you had a chance to look at them yet well, I recommend it. And then another one. Um, I, have a sexier, I have a sexier one I can suggest. Ooh, what is that? <laughs> woman on Top. Oh, my God, yeah. He's writing you guys, it down. <laughs> did you see that movie? It's I a, did. He has not. He's, he has not. I'm writing, I'm writing crazily over here. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's about cooking. It's about love and woman on top. Chocolat, uh, of course. But woman on top. I absolutely love. Oh that yeah, movie. I forgot Love's about that. A chocolate too. With I that. love that. Oh my I God. love that name. Yeah. Oh, good pick, sexy chef Wendy Lane coming with the home run. Well, folks, <laughs> I want to thank both my guests again. You guys are listening to the Ploth Thickens episode one, the food cast with none other than sexy chef Wendy Lane. Check her out. Google her name, and also Chef Luigi Lugiamo's in Montclair. Thank you guys. I really, really appreciate this. This was a really great um, first episode podcast. And I want to thank my listeners. And uh, guys, tune in for episode two, which is all about history, the Zulu Wars and Rourke's Drift with none other than my famous friend, Michael Sean McGinnis. None other than from the commercial, Terry Tate Super Bowl commercial. And uh, we'll get into all that on episode two of The Plaw Thickens. And again, thank you, Sexy Chef Wendy Lane. And thank, thank you. you, Unsexy Chef, Chef Luigi. <laughs> thank you. Thank so you, much. guys. Thank and you. Wonderful meeting you. We'll tune in. Guys, guys don't go anywhere. Stay on.